This is Crime Noir, a true crime podcast telling our stories. And I'm your host, Candace, and this is Case 2, DC Serial Killer, The Freeway Phantom. I just want to take this time out and say thank you to everybody who listened to my first episode. Um, The launch of Crime Noir was way bigger than I expected, and I'm just excited that you guys are excited. I'm excited to give this content to you guys. I appreciate everyone that liked, shared, and subscribed to my podcast. We have some work to do, so let's just get to it. Before I get into the episode, I wanted to give a little background about myself because people are curious. Um, Of course, my name is Candice. Um, I'm a true crime junkie, and I've always been. I decided to start this podcast because I feel like crimes against Black people go underreported, and I don't see them as much in the media. I don't ever recall seeing a story of a missing Black person blow up as big as a Natalie Holloway an Elizabeth Smart or more Murray. Um, I did go to school and study forensic science, so I have a little bit of background in crime and investigation. And I've tried listening to other true crime podcasts, but they were a little bit too jokey-jokey for me, so I decided to start my own because at the end of the day, these people are victims and they deserve to have their story told accurately and with sympathy. And I appreciate you guys for listening. So the reason I chose today's topic is because it completely blows my mind, y'all, how little we hear about this case and how poorly handled this investigation was. It just seems like they don't care to solve this case anymore, and that completely pisses me off. And it makes me sad for the family, to be honest. When I think of serial killers, I think of the Long Island serial killer, the Zodiac killer, the East Area Rapist, Jack the Ripper... BTK, Ted Bundy, but I never hear any mention of the Freeway Phantom. I'm letting y'all know now that you'll probably be infuriated once I'm done discussing this case. I would like to give a trigger warning that although this podcast does not feature explicit language, it does feature sensitive commentary about violence against children. So I'm giving listener discretion is advised. So DC serial killer, aka the Freeway Phantom, was active from April 1971 to September 1971. And during his reign, quote unquote, he killed six girls. His first victim was Carol Spinks, and she went to the store on April 25th, 1971. She went to 7-Eleven, which was mm, about a half mile away from her house, uh, which was on the Maryland border. On the way home, she was abducted by this stranger. She was unfortunately found approximately six days later on northbound I-295, a thousand feet away from Suitland. She was strangled, sodomized, and had suffered cuts to her face, neck, chest, and both hands. Her nose was also bloodied. Um, During the investigation, they uh, they did find green synthetic fibers on her clothing, and also her shoes were missing at that time. During the autopsy, it was discovered that she had citrus fruit in her stomach, so they um, hypothesized that the killer probably kept her alive for a few days. And when they found her, she had only been dead maybe about two or three days. 
So about two weeks after Kara was murdered, there was a second victim found um, along 295. A man pulled over after he was having car trouble, and he called the police when he saw the body. This is the second call police received regarding this body. Police dispatched officers to the area, and they allegedly found nothing. But it's said that they also didn't get out the car. One week later, on July 19th, one of the callers returned to the site, and the body was still there. And at this point, it was decomposing in the heat. The only reason why this body was finally retrieved is because the caller knew somebody in the police force and called them. The body was found 15 feet away from where Carol was found. The victim this time was Darlena Johnson. She was 16 at the time, and she went missing on July 9th. She told her mom she was going to work at the Oxen Run Recreation Center. Um, she had planned to stay the night at a sleepover the center was having for kids, but she never showed up. And unfortunately, 11 days later, she was badly decomposed. And the only way they can identify her was through her fingerprints. And they couldn't even determine how she died. Now, let's pause for a second. A body was reported almost two weeks prior to the body being picked up by authorities. Imagine how much evidence was lost during the police missteps. Completely unacceptable. Mind you, this was in the heat. Nine days after Darlena was found, Brenda Faye Crockett was discovered on Route 50 in Chevrolet, Maryland. She was just 10 years old. She was strangled, raped, and kidnapped while walking around 8 p.m. to Safeway near 14th and U Street in Northwest Washington, D.C. She went to the store to buy her food for her pets, her mom thought she took a friend with her. Her mom went looking for her, while Crockett's little sister, Bertha, stayed in the house with their mom's boyfriend. They received a telephone call at approximately 9.20 from Brenda. Brenda was crying. She gave a description. She said a white man had snatched her. She believed she was in Virginia and told them she was headed home in a cab and then abruptly hung up. The phone rang again. This time it was answered by the boyfriend of Brenda's mother. She then repeated the same information. She asked the boyfriend, did my mother see me? The boyfriend replied, how could your mother see you if you're in Virginia? In the background, the boyfriend could hear heavy footsteps. She then said, I'll see you, and then she hung up. Her body was discovered in an alias location on Route 50 near the Baltimore-Washington Parkway. She was raped and strangled with a scarf around her neck. Investigators concluded that Brenda was likely coerced into giving fake information to buy time for the perpetrator to commit the crime and throw investigators off. The fourth victim was named Nomishia Yates. I'm not exactly sure if that's how you say her name, so I apologize. She was 12 years old. She was walking home from a Safeway store in Northeast Washington, D.C. on October 1st, 1971. She, like the others, was kidnapped, raped, and strangled. Her body was found within a few hours of her abduction, just off the shoulder of Pennsylvania Ave in Prince George's County, Maryland. It was after this murder that the perpetrator received the name Freeway Phantom. The fifth victim was Brittany Woodard. She was just 18 at the time. She was having dinner with a classmate on November 15, 1971. Afterwards, she boarded a bus to go home on Maryland Avenue. Six hours later, her body was discovered stabbed four times, and she was also strangled and raped like the others. She did have defensive wounds, so it is concluded that she fought. 
She was found on an access ramp from Route 202 from Baltimore Washington Parkway. This time, the killer left a note in her pocket. This is what the note said. This is tantamount to my insensitivity to people, especially women. I will admit the others when you can catch me if you can. It was signed, Freeway Phantom. Investigators believe that Woodard wrote the note as dictated by the perpetrator. The FBI matched other writings by her and compared it with her other writings, and there was no indication she was under distress while she wrote. It is speculated that someone may have heard or saw something in this case, as a lot of people at the time socialized outside. The next murder occurred approximately 10 months later. Police speculated that the perpetrator maybe have like left that area or got locked up. The murder occurred on September 6, 1972. The body of Diane Williams, who was 17 at the time, was found by a trucker who pulled off the road. She attended Baloo High School, and on the evening she disappeared, she was with her boyfriend at the time, who walked her to the bus stop for a trip home to Holly Terrence in Southeast. She was strangled and left alone on I-295, close to the D.C. border. That was all his victims. The main suspect for the Freeway Phantom is a gentleman by the name of Robert Askins. Um, He was a computer technician at the time, and he served time in 1938 after killing a sex worker via poison. He was freed in 1958 after his sentence was overturned on legal technicality. In March 1977, police got a search warrant to search his house and found the word tantamount in his row house. Apparently, he was known to use this word a lot at work. They also found women's scarves, photos of young girls, and a knife that was used in another crime. During another search, they found two buttons and gold earrings in in the backseat of his car. They found a whole bunch of evidence, but none of it matched the girls. None of the fibers matched. He was later convicted of kidnapping and raping two other women in D.C. years after the serial murder. He got life in prison and died at age 91. Another theory police have is that the killer lived in the same neighborhood as the first two victims due to the location they were both abducted in. Police believe he may have went out of the neighborhood because someone may have suspected him. He may have been a military person or a transient. FBI did indicate that they believe he had some kind of education and was average or above average and intelligent and employed. He knew how to shoot the breeze with women, but he could not maintain healthy relationships with them. Another theory is that he was a member of the Green Vega gang. Two men of this gang were also convicted of kidnapping and raping women around the D.C. area. This was happening in conjunction with the other killings. They drove around in a green Chevrolet Vega. The men took an investigator to a crime scene and told police how they were killed and provided additional information. The only problem with this is the info they gave came from the news, so it wasn't like any insider information. Here's where I get furious. In 1990, the case was being reinvestigated because when it first occurred, the DNA testing we had in 1971 was not up to date to where it is now. So the government destroyed the files. Nothing could be retested because law enforcement did a piss poor job preserving it. So nothing could be done. They don't even know where the evidence is to be tested. They lost all the files when a new administration took over. This is completely unacceptable to me. 
Before I go into my theories, I would just like to say I got this information from the Washington Post. Cheryl Thompson wrote an excellent write-up called Six Black Girls Were Brutally Murdered in the Early 70s. Why Was This Case Never Solved? I will link it on my Twitter for y'all. I don't really have too many theories on this case. Um, I do believe it was somebody that the girls had relation to a relationship with um, just because of the phone call that one of their parents received talking about, did your mom see me? Like, why would that even matter if um, it was a complete stranger? I do believe, I, I believe it was Brenda um, was told that information to throw investigators off. I also believe this investigation was poorly handled and is still being poorly handled because we never hear about this case ever. I mean, I really didn't even know that DC had a serial killer at the time. I only know it because I was browsing Reddit randomly and they mentioned it there and I decided to continue to research it because, you know, I find it interesting. I also believe that if evidence was properly stored or if we had some evidence that um, we could do the little ancestry DNA and find out who it was or at least attempt that, I know they found the East Area Rapist that way, so you know, maybe if they would have had preserved the evidence properly, which makes me wonder, why wouldn't they preserve the evidence? Why? Why was this? Why is the serial killer's file destroyed? That makes absolutely zero sense to me. Whatever. I unfortunately feel the person who did this is probably um, deceased. So I don't know if we'll ever get justice for it. But I feel sorry for the victims of this family that had to go through this. If you have any information on this matter, please contact Metropolitan Police Department at 202-727-9099. Before this episode wraps up, I want to introduce a new segment called This Week in True Crime News. Um, Basically, I'll be spending maybe like a minute or so just talking about um, things that have happened in the news that I find interesting. My first story is about Samantha Jofferson. I'm not exactly sure if that's how you say her last name. But she unfortunately got into the wrong Uber and was violently murdered by the person's car who she got into. And I feel deeply sad for her family. She didn't deserve that. And I just pray for her community. Um, My second story is Brian Rennie pretended to be Timothy Pinson. I'm not exactly sure if many of you guys are aware of this, but Timothy Pinson went missing, I believe, in 2011 after his mom picked him up from school and she then killed herself and they have no idea where he is. So he's a jerk for doing that. And I hope he goes to jail. My last story is, unfortunately, I have to report that Nipsey Hussle did die last week. And I appreciate what he brought to the community. Um, I wasn't a diehard fan or anything like that, but he was doing a lot of good for his community. And I hope that His death doesn't go in vain, and I'm praying for his kids and his wife, of course. And that wraps up today's episode of Crime Noir. I appreciate you guys for tuning in. Um, Please like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. Um, My Instagram is Crime Noir, the podcast. My Twitter is CrimeXNoir. I do take suggestions for cases, so anything you guys would like to see or hear, um, you guys can reach out to me. I'm very amenable to constructive criticism so if there's something I said that you didn't like or whatever just let me know and hopefully I can change it and I just appreciate you guys for listening and I'll talk to you next week
double up. Three or four times, I ain't telling no lies. I just run it up. Never let a hard time have a wash. Double up. I ain't telling no lies. I just yeah. I ain't telling no lies. I just five.